Thanks, Rose. Nobody likes suffering, do they? It's not fun. I have a very low pain tolerance, don't I, my love? She has a very high one. <laughs> That's how we work together. That's how we've been married so long, probably. I don't know. Anyway, I have a very low pain tolerance. Um, man flu, I think, was mentioned when I had COVID. I think, um, I don't know if there's anyone here that had the same thing. Mm. Um, I was thinking about this the other day. I thought uh, I heard it and I thought, that's a great idea. You know, wouldn't it be good if God just created mosquitoes instead of sucking blood, they sucked fat? <laughs> Why not? That sounds like a better idea. But I'm not God, so, so he likes to let us suffer with mosquitoes. <laughs> um, the message for tonight is obviously from Acts 5. Thanks, Rose, for reading that section. And just a bit of a recap, the, the apostles have been uh, doing some wonderful things. You know, they healed, healed a man that was crippled, and um, they got in trouble for that because the message that they spoke about afterwards was something that the religious Sadducees and whatever didn't like it. So then um, they got threatened and um, sent out, and they continued to go out. Uh, preaching this message and they met up with the church and the church then prayed with them the group of people that were believers they prayed together and the place where they were shake they were praying started to shake and they're all filled with boldness and power and they went out and and uh, preached again and then we see uh the situation of ananias and sapphira yeah i got it right sometimes i get names wrong ananias and sapphira they were they were believers you know the story and uh they they were filled with Satan filled their hearts and they, and they were decept, deceitful. And that was a bad ending for them. But the apostles continued to do and to teach. They continued to share the message and not just in words, but in deeds as well. And all people were healed, we're told at the end of uh, verse 16. And then last week, we looked at 17 through to 32, which is where the apostles were were persecuted by the religious uh, authorities, the high priest, and they locked them up in jail, remember? And the angel set them free and told them to go back to the temple and preach these wonderful words to all the people. So they did that. And then Peter gets up after this and he says these words. I want you to look at them in chapter 529 of Acts, chapter 529. Peter replies, to them, we must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised Jesus from the dead, whom you had killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him to his own right hand as prince and savior, that he might give repentance and forgiveness of sins to Israel. We are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. I just want to make a statement tonight. Uh, it might be controversial, but I'm pretty sure I'm in good company. Um, the statement is, Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. He is not dead. He is alive. He is alive. And these people didn't like that message. And so now we get to this section here, which is all about suffering, really, for the name of Jesus. 
This section here, when we talk about suffering for the name of Jesus, sometimes it's easy for us to think, well, you know, because we all from time to time have suffered in our own lives, like with illness or with the loss of a loved one or when plans didn't go our way that we thought they were going to go our way and like we went into debt and stuff like that, that kind of suffering, right? And that's bad, okay? All right. But this section here is, is, is talking about um, how to respond in that uh, suffering situation where we're suffering because we're being obedient to God. Now, in Australia, you might think we don't have persecution, but we do. There is persecution, and the level of persecution matches up with the level of boldness to the Scriptures in a believer's life. You'll find it because you'll find people in your life that you, know, you, rel- you normally have a relatively good relationship with, but as soon as you bring up something like the gospel and that, that Jesus is the only way to heaven and, and every other way is a false way, then, then sparks start to fly, right? And there's persecution, so to speak. There's a disagreement. There's hostility. And here we see hostility on, at the nth degree. In verse 33, when Peter said these words to the, um, the religious Sanhedrin that, that were there, they were furious. You see that in your Bibles in verse 33. When they heard this, they were furious and wanted to put them to death. So to start with, when the apostles were doing really cool things, healing people, preaching the message of the gospel, they were threatened. And then once that didn't work, they were threatened and locked up. And then once that didn't work, now, okay, we just got to put them to death. How else can we get rid of this message that they're trying to declare, right? So here are these Sadducees, and they're really emotive in their, in their uh, decision-making process. In fact, they're furious. They're furious. In the NIV, it says furious. I might say something different in your version. I don't know what version you have. But um, let's look at Greek. Any Greek people? The Greek word actually means to be sawn in two mentally which makes no sense to me, but it brings two images, right? To be sawn in two would not be a fun process if you were the person getting sawn in two, correct? Is anyone alive tonight? Isaac? Wouldn't be fun, would it? <laughs> but but, but here, the idea of this Greek word is that they were sawn in two mentally. What does that mean? I want to just kind of reiterate what um, we talked about briefly with Jesus's message, uh, the parable of the sower and the seed, the word of God, the good message of the gospel of Jesus Christ, right? It's received in four different soils. We know that. There's the hard pathway. There's the rocky places. There's the, uh, the, the what is the next one? The weeds, thank you. And the fertile soil, good stuff, right? And so as you go through Acts, whenever you hear the Whenever you see the gospel message being declared, you'll see those four soils in people's responses because their heart is the, one, the thing that's receiving that message. Now, you understand with your heart, Jesus told us that. He said you, you hear with your ears, you, you see with your eyes, and you understand with your heart. And the message of the gospel must be received with the understanding of the heart. Our faith is a heart thing, right? And then the head follows, okay? Jesus said to his disciples, uh, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go out and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them and teaching them. Make disciples, baptize them and teach them. 
That's the, that's the order. But sometimes we like to think, we got to think first, agree to a certain principles, and then I'll believe. But faith really comes, needs to come first. It's faith. Faith is what saves a person. Actually, no, it's not. It's grace through faith that saves a person. Thanks for correcting me, somebody. And so, the, But these Sadducees and the chief priests, they are coming at this message of the gospel, not with their hearts, but with their heads. And so they are mentally sawn in two because they can't, they can't join the dots. They can't fill out the numbers on the Sudoku puzzle. This piece isn't matching up with this piece. And what the disciples are declaring doesn't make sense to their theology and their way that life should be. And so the only solution to that is let's kill the people declaring the message. Okay. Sometimes the best way that God speaks to me is when I am asleep or tired or not even thinking about God or thinking about reading. And, and it's just, a, and I might be having a shower and he's like, okay, finally, I've got your attention. You need to be praying for this guy, you know, or you're, you're mowing the lawn or you're doing some tedious job driving the car and then somebody pops into your mind. You've got to pray for that person. It's when we rest, that's often when we, um, when we can hear what God is saying to us because um, we're not using our heads so much. We're um, trusting and believing, still living good life. Anyway, that's a squirrel. We won't go there. Verse 33, we've done that. They were cut to the heart. They were cut in half, sawn in two, and they wanted to put them to death. But a Pharisee, a Pharisee named Gamaliel, Gamaliel, he stood up. All right, now this is a Pharisee. Pharisees were part of the group of people that were always against Jesus and his disciples. They were pointing fingers going, your disciples aren't washing their hands properly when they're supposed to be eating. Your disciples are picking grain on the Sabbath. That's not, that's not allowed. Your disciples, your, you, 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 and they're pointing fingers. You know, everyone knows when you point a finger at somebody, there's three pointing back at you, unless your thumb is like double-jointed. <laughs> but these Pharisees, um, they're actually, the, the word Pharisee comes from a Aramaic word, paris, which means to separate, to separate. And they would, they like to separate themselves from the heathen, to separate themselves from the dirty common folk, right? And not sin. They wanted to separate themselves from sin, right? They wanted to, they wanted to live holy lives and please God. And they were afraid that, that they might just sin accidentally. So they would take God's 10 commandments and then turn them into like 200 commandments, just in case you went, you know. So for example, if there's a, a cliff right here, a cliff edge right here, um, instead of just putting a sign there saying, look out for the cliff edge, they would put, they'd, they'd go way back, like 50 meters back here and put a really tall fence up and say, there's a cliff edge ahead, just stop at this fence. Meanwhile, there's this 50 meters of wonderful lush landscape that you can't experience because you've got to follow their rule and st stay back here and just in case you fall over the edge, just in case you sin, you want to, you, you don't want to take your, you don't want to take the lift from the ground floor up to the 13th floor because you have to press the button on the lift and that is work. So take the stairs. Rules like that. All right. Pharisees. 
And here's a Pharisee. They didn't agree with Sadducees. So here's a Pharisee in, the, in a group of Sadducees and other Pharisees and a chief priest. And he stands up. His name is Gamaliel. And we find out later on in Acts 22, I think it is, where we find out that, the, the, that Saul, who becomes the Apostle Paul, actually had this guy as a mentor. This guy really knew his stuff. He was really, really heady. Does that make sense? Like if you had a question about the Old Testament, he would go, bang. Like minute to win it, he's there, bang. Straight away, Gamaliel. And he stands up. We find out that he is honored by all the people. He's respected by all the people. And he is an expert in the law. All right, so he stands up. And he says to these guys, Let's put these disciples and these, these uh, apostles out. Send them out because I've got some, something to say. And he stands up and he brings some wisdom into the room. Isn't it great when you like have someone who can just stand up and they know what they need to say? It's almost like the Holy Spirit's actually leading this guy to say it, but we don't read that anywhere. So I don't want to read that into the text. But it almost seems like God is using this man in a really, really amazing way to speak truth into this situation. And so he, what he does is he explains two uh, historical events that happened in the last 30 years, right? So one of them is this guy called Thudus, Thudus who, um, let's read about him. Some time ago, verse 36, Thudus appeared claiming to be somebody. Did Jesus claim to be somebody? Did Jesus appear? Yes, right? Claimed this guy, claimed to be somebody. And about 400 men rallied to him. Did 400 people follow Jesus at any moment in his life? We, we see that in the Bible. And multiple times, multitudes followed Jesus, right? Okay. Um, but then, uh, then um, Gamaliel says, and uh, he was killed. All his followers were dispersed and it all came to nothing. That's what happened to Jesus. Jesus was killed and his followers, what did they do? They scattered. So this might just come to nothing. He's using his brain, right? Because he's a heady person, all right? Very wise. And then, he, so he says in verse 37, after that guy, after Thutis, after him, Judas the Galilean appeared. Here's a guy called Judas from Galilee, right? And he comes in the days of the census. Now, this census is the census of Quirinius, which we read about in Luke chapter 2, which is the birth narrative of Jesus who came from Nazareth. Uh, so Galilee, Nazareth as well. But Galilee, this is, this is talking about Judas from Galilee, a zealot guy, right? He led a revolt that's violence, right? Did Jesus lead a revolt? Kind of. Not violently. But this guy called Judas from Galilee, he too was killed and all his followers were scattered. Therefore, says Gamaliel, therefore in the present case, I advise you, leave these men alone. Let them go, for if their purpose or activity is of human origin, it will fail. Just stop there. 
if it is of human origin, it'll fail because it's always failed. You know, if anything of human origin began, it's always failed. It, it, you know, it might have had a, a, a following of certain people and one guy started it and it went so far. But if that guy disappeared, they all disappeared and it failed. Why did it fail? Because those two guys died. What do the Sadducees believe in? Resurrection? No. They don't believe that Jesus is alive. So here is Gamaliel, this wise Pharisee, and he, and he actually believes in resurrection. He believes in angels. He believes in spirits. The Sadducees don't believe in those sorts of things. But he's saying, look, if Jesus is dead, it's just, it's finished. In other words, it'll come to nothing if it is not of God. You know, it was Jesus' words in John 15 where he's talking about him being the vine. He says, apart from me, you can do nothing. I, I noticed that in my life. Like if I begin the day without focusing my attention on the Lord, I, I find I'm very unproductive in the Lord's business. In, in my reaction to my kids or the way I treat other drivers on the road. But the moment I set my heart and, and soften my heart towards him every morning, and listen to what he's saying to me through what I read in the Bible, I actually find my work for him and my life for him is actually a little bit um, more God-honoring, and that's not nothing. Uh, but apart from, apart from me, you can do nothing, says Jesus. And, these all, and all these other guys, they scattered, disappeared, right? Their leader dies and they scattered. So he says, Gamaliel says, the leader's dead. So, you know, they did scatter, but they're back again. But, you know, if it's not of God, it'll come to nothing. Wise words from this man. So he says, leave him alone. That's my advice. But he says in verse 39, but if it is from God, if what these Galilean fishermen are doing is from God, You will not be able to stop these men. You will only find yourselves fighting against God. And nobody in that room wants to fight against God. Jesus said these words once to his disciples. He said, there's going to come a time when you're going to get persecuted and the people doing it will think that they're doing God a favor. And here we come to this situation where the, the apostles are now outside. There's this deliberation going on inside with all of the Sanhedrin. And now they get called back in again, right? Because in verse 40, it says his speech, Gamaliel's speech persuaded them and they called the apostles in and had them flogged. I don't think they listened to Gamaliel's speech, do you? Like, Leave these guys alone, otherwise you might find yourself fighting against God. Yes, Gamaliel, thanks so much. All right, boys, whip them. This is a flogging of 39 lashes, 40 minus one, right? That's like a couple of minutes of whipping, depending on who the guy is that's doing the whipping. That's not fun. And that doesn't feel good at all. There'd be blood and pain. screaming. Why? Because they healed all the people of a town 
and shared a message about how people can be set free from their sin. Isn't that sad? Isn't that sad? Is it not fair that these men, after all they've done for the Lord, it's not fair that they should get this kind of treatment? Is it? It's not fair. I've followed the Lord for 20 years and I've still got cancer. Suffering. Here they are, they get flogged. And they ordered them not to speak in the name of, oh, blah, 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 whatever. We've heard that before, haven't we? <laughs> they, they threatened them not to speak in the name of Jesus in, in chapter 4 as well, verse 18. Don't speak about this name again. And what do they do? They go ahead and speak about the name. Why? I think they believe the word of God. I want you to just keep your spot in, in Acts 5 and turn with me to something that Jesus said to his disciples. All right, which may not have made very much sense. It's Matthew 10. Turn with me to Matthew 10. And Jesus said some things to his disciples, which would, have, would not have made sense to them, really, I don't think, at that point in time. But I, I very strongly believe that they make sense to them as they're going through this trial in Acts 5. So in Matthew, Matthew chapter 10, you got it? Because right, we, we don't want to listen to Ian's word. We want to listen to God's word. So let it speak to you. In verse 17, Matthew chapter 10, verse 17. Be on your guard against men. Now, women, that is not every man. All right, That's not a message for you tonight. There's some men that are decent. This is talking about particular men that are coming their way, to the disciples' way. Right? They will hand you over to their local councils and flog you in their synagogues. On my account, you will be brought before governors and kings as witnesses to them and to the Gentiles. But when, you, when they arrest you, do not worry about what to say or how to say it. At that time, you will be given what to say. For it will not be you speaking, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. Pretty cool, isn't it? That, I mean, it's not cool. But it's cool that this is coming to pass on the disciples at the moment, at the apostles in Acts, in that council. And I don't know if you just read over that verse 17 like I always did, until I realized what a synagogue was. Do you know what a synagogue is? It's a place where people worship God. It's a place of peace and, and experiencing the love and promises of God. And here is Jesus saying, you're going to get whipped in that, in that place. You're going to get whipped in a synagogue. That wouldn't have made sense to the disciples at all. What? Their whole life with Jesus was basically a whole lot of, what was that? And they would all often talk with each other and say, what did he mean? What's he mean? What's he talking about bread? Oh. But Jesus' words will always come to pass. All right? So here he's, he's telling them this, right? And he's, and, and he's promising persecution he's making a promise to them i love the promises of god i pick all the nice ones like not like you know this one or in this world you will have trouble but take heart i've overcome the world like that's a promise you're going to have trouble because you follow jesus and then what what happens when trouble comes our way do we say thank you lord for fulfilling your promise no, we don't, do we? I don't. Maybe you do. 
maybe I need to, someone, someone of you guys may, maybe need to come and preach. <laughs> um, but yeah, so here's his message, right? Uh, and then he goes on to, to say uh, in this passage, read the whole passage if you like, but verse 26, I want you to just go down Matthew chapter 10, verse 26. And he says to them, uh, so do not be afraid of them. There is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. So there's coming a day, all right, where the truth will come out. Verse 28, oh, verse 27, if you like. Um, what do I tell you in the dark? Speak in the daylight. What is whispered in your ear, proclaim from the rooftops. In verse 28, do not be afraid of those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Now, here's the disciples. Multiple times they've been persecuted by religious establishments already in Acts. And what's their response? We must obey God, not men. We must obey God, not men. Why? Because they have a citizenship in heaven that lasts forever. Men cannot provide you that. Only God can provide you that. So why not obey God instead of obeying men? Jesus says to them, prophesied to them in, in here in verse 28 of, of Matthew 10, saying, do not be afraid of those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Like that's all they're going to do. And there's your brothers and my brothers in the Lord Jesus around the world right now, even probably at this moment, suffering death because of their faith in Jesus by the hands of their own family members just because they believe in Jesus. But you know what? They're citizens of a far greater reality, heaven, eternity. And that's the hope we have. Even, even you know, suffering for the name of Jesus, right? But even in suffering in other ways too. Like, you know, I've got a good friend, he, he's dealing with um, chemotherapy at the moment, going through um, that really hard time of suffering physically. But that hope of eternity is, 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 is like an anchor for, the, for his soul, that his body might be wasting away, but he can put his trust in Jesus for eternity, a far greater reward. And the, the apostles um, here are experiencing this suffering because they believe in a far greater reward that only comes in faith by faith in Jesus Christ. Um, while we're still in Matthew 10, I want you to just take your eyes down to verse 29. Jesus says these words are not two sparrows sold for a penny. Yet one of them, in other words, they're not very valuable, right? In man's eyes. Yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from the will of your father. And even the hairs, the very hairs on your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. I hope so. <laughs> Good. Thanks, Jesus. I'm worth more than many sparrows. What he's saying, he's not talking about your value, like, you know, if you get sold in a marketplace. He's saying, like, your value is not earthly perspective, but heavenly perspective. If God sees every single sparrow that falls to the ground, how much more does he see you and I? How much more? Sorry, did something just happen behind me? Oh, that's all right. You are valuable as a disciple. And let's go back to Acts 5. 
we see the response of the disciples after they get flogged and they're sent out and threatened not to speak about this name anymore. It says in verse 41, the apostles left the Sanhedrin. Remember, they've just been flogged, right? They left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. Rejoicing is actually um, the name of the school that our kids go to, Cairo. Cahiros, actually, but we just call it Cairo. And it's made up of two words. Rejoicing is made up of two words here, what the disciples are doing. right? Then sometimes the, the word rejoice or praise is translated as um, a spinning spirally jump, right? Leaping in the air, right? This is not the same one. All right, this is a different word. This is kahiros, which is talking about two words, meaning leaning into God's grace. God's grace is charis. Or we get the word charisma from it. Yeah. Someone who has God's grace upon their life. Okay. Um, and um, leaning into God's grace. What is God's grace? His unmerited favor for us. He loves us. He just loves us. He's showing grace right now to the entire world. Every single person right now alive is receiving grace. And we are saved by grace. There is opportunity right now for every single living being with a soul and a heartbeat to receive that grace. How? By faith. This not of ourselves, it's a gift of God. And these disciples are leaning into this wonderful message of grace that God has saved them. They now recognize their own value. They rejoice in their own value because God has shown them how valuable they are by the amount of suffering they've just received for the name. That sounds a little bit sadistic, but it's true. In, in the way that Luke puts it, they counted worthy Counted worthy is um, meaning in a marketplace where they would measure something on a measuring scale, a balanced scale, <laughs> a weighing, uh, and it would weigh exactly, they'd have to make it weigh exactly to find out how much something is worth, all right? So to, um, and it determines exact worth. So here are the disciples, they're, they're on, they're being measured, they're being weighed on a measuring balance, uh, on a balance scale um, to find out exactly what they're worth. And that, that's, that scale is called suffering for the name. And it accurately assesses exactly what they're worth in God's sight. They've been counted worthy enough to suffer for the name of Jesus. And that word suffer there, it doesn't just mean pain. It actually means to be treated dishonorably by other people because those other people perceive you as having no value or worth or honor. Like what, what people see as valuable and worthy, God sees as, I'm going to burn that up one day. And what people see as not valuable and unworthy God says, I like that idea. That's why, that's why there's scriptures that say things like, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. Why? Because he loves seeing someone realize that they're not worthy. Anyway, I'll leave that there.
the religious people um, think that they're doing the world a favour, but they're really doing the disciples a favour in that the disciples are recognising what Jesus said previously is coming to pass and everything that he said, all the time they're finding out everything Jesus said is just making so much more sense. The more we trust him, the more we have faith in him, the more steps we move forward trusting him and being obedient to him. All right. So the apostles left, they're, they're excited, ecstatic. And what do they do next in verse 48, uh, 42? Day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Christ. Jesus is the Christ. See, the Sadducees and the Pharisees were still waiting for the Christ. And Luke doesn't tell us, Acts doesn't tell us that Jesus was the Christ. They're not celebrating the fact that Jesus was the Christ and they were right about him, but that he is the Christ. He is alive and he is on the throne and he is God. And he is the one that deserves all of me. I think it was um, C.T. Studd that said, if Jesus Christ be God and died for me, then no sacrifice I can make is too great for him. Yeah. So, th And that's the perspective that I guess I want every one of us to leave this building with, is that we live in a world with trouble, with persecution and with more people in this world that don't agree with what you agree with mentally or in, theologically. But this world is not all that there is. But there are people out there that need to know that Jesus is the Messiah. He is the Savior. He is the Savior. There's no other way. There's no other name under heaven by which we can be saved. And they need to know that. And the disciples, um, we see here the apostles left and they met day after day in the temple courts and from house to house. They just go around into people's houses and they invite their friends over and they talk about this and word spread. This gospel message, doing the word, not just agreeing with the word. I want to finish with Luke chapter 6. This is the last thing, all right? Luke chapter 6. Um, <clears throat> And verse 22, is everyone still okay? All right, I'll be quick. Luke chapter 6, verse 22. Um, oh, oh, yes, I was in the wrong chapter. <laughs> Jesus is giving the Beatitudes, basically, Luke's version of them. Okay, so look, verse uh, 22, blessed are you when men hate you, when they exclude you and insult you and reject your name as evil because of the Son of Man. Blessed. <laughs> Blessed are you. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, because great is your reward in heaven. For that is how their fathers treated the prophets. It's great, isn't it? Great is your reward in heaven. Blessed are you when that stuff happens. And I, I put to you tonight that the level of your boldness will determine the level of opposition you get as for being a Christian. All right. So if you're not being opposed for being a Christian in Australia, you need to raise the level of boldness and trust in, in the Lord. Be nice to people. Like we're not seeking suffering, right? We're not going out there. That's not what we're preaching about tonight. No one's going to want to go out there and go, I want suffering. You guys are all going to hell. You know, don't do that. 
go out and proclaim the good message, right? Live honorable lives, love others, love your neighbor as yourself, love God with everything you've got. But yeah, the boldness of trusting him, you'll see that opposition. And at the end of Luke's gospel, Jesus, Jesus says these words, um, speaking about um, knowing the truth and doing the truth, right? Why do you, uh, verse 46 of Luke 6, 46, why do you call me Lord, Lord? Why do you call me Lord, Lord? I've often didn't know how to say that. And do not do what I say. I will show you what it is like who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice. He's like a man building a house who dug deep down, dug down deep and lay the foundation on rock. When a flood came, the torrent struck that house, but could not shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck the house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. All right. So this is probably not the most fun way to finish the message. But here's Jesus. He's saying basically, look, I don't really care if you agree with my teaching. I just want you to do what I say. And that's basically what he's saying, because that's what's going to make you and I stand up at the end when there's a massive big flood, like the end of the end of the world, when, when everything's burned up with fire and Jesus comes back. The only thing that's going to stand is faith that has worked itself out in love in a person's life. Faith by itself, just believing a certain thing isn't faith at all. It's got to be worked out. We've got to trust God. All right. So I want to encourage you tonight. I hope no one gets whipped and flogged this week. I don't think it's going to happen in Australia. But let's let's pray for the let's pray for our other believers and brothers and sisters around the world that do face those sorts of things or similar situations. All right. Um, I actually, basically, that's the end of the message. But I, I was talking to a guy from Voice of the Martyrs um, the last couple of weeks, and going to try and see if he can come and share with us something about what's going on and how we might be able to pray for them and with them um, for our brothers and sisters around the world and just be encouraged you know to know that there are men and women out there and children standing up for what they believe and and really facing hardship all right so I want to encourage the children in the room the men in the room the women in the room anyone else here in the room to trust Jesus and to and to continue to trust him because one day every eye is going to see right you're going to yeah anyway let's leave it at that I'm going to pray. Jono, you want to close us out? Okay, let's pray. Father, we just thank you so much for this um, just special time to be together tonight uh, with each other and with you. And Lord, in this service, we've had an opportunity to connect with you and uh, you've had an opportunity to connect with us. And we just uh, lift up to you, Lord, our own hearts tonight and pray that you would have your way in us, Lord. Some of the things maybe we've heard in the message might be a little bit difficult, so we pray that you just help us to grasp them and understand them and, and um, yeah, seek you for truth in that. Uh, and, yeah, we thank you so much, Jesus, that you are alive. <laughs> Ultimately, this, that's, just the, that's the message. You're alive. You're the Christ. You're alive. You are. You're the one who is, who was, and who is to come the Lord. And we worship you tonight. Lord, bless each one, Lord, as we leave from here. Bless our families, Lord, and help us to uh, keep safe and, uh, and honor you with our lives, sharing the message with our words and deeds. Amen. Amen.